Welcome to Nothing But Fantasy. This is take two, but you'll never know because I'm only showing you guys one. And I'm here with Lou, and it is um, about a half hour later than we expected to be on, but that's okay because that's how it works around here. How's it going, Lou? It's going. It's going. Um, excited to be here with you today. Sorry I missed you this morning, but we uh, we have a number of fun things to talk about. Whether or not we actually uh, planned what to talk about is one thing, but we do have a lot to talk about anyways. <laughs> okay. I want to talk – so I know that you've been doing DFS lately, like you're, you're, um, you've been in, in looking at that every day and, and putting your due diligence and learning how to be a, an efficient DFS player. So I'm, I know you play at DraftKings, but I'm looking to play in a big tournament. I, I, sometimes I like to pretty much, you know – put a dollar towards one of these huge GPP tournaments that like you can't win ever, but it's a single entry one. I only play the single entry ones, but I have a Yeah, team. well, that's, that's, I, firstly, I pretty much only play in the GPPs, um, but said rather, I'd rather kind of go all, go, go all in kind of thing, like go big or go home. Um, if I'm only making one lineup, definitely you want the single entry one because you don't want to be screwed by people putting in three or four or whatever. Typically, I actually look for – there's a bunch on DraftKings at least where you have a three entry maximum. Um, typically, yeah. I do two lineups, but those are the other ones I like to play in because even if I only do two, I don't feel as much at the disadvantage of someone putting in three. Like on a night – like tonight, for instance, there are – Tons of big pitchers, Scherzer, Kershaw, Verlander, Thor, Sale, um, and there's two stacks I really like. So I'll probably go with two lineups. Um, but the best thing going on to, to, to tonight, and I saw something, someone probably put it in here earlier, is that the Braves called up uh, their top pitching prospect or one of their top pitching prospects in Mike Soroka. And I don't know what his price is on FanDuel, but he's only 4000 bucks on DraftKings tonight. Who's he uh, playing against? The Mets. Uh, but either way, $4,000 for a pitcher um, is really, really cheap on DraftKings. And because you're using two pitchers, let's say I want to use a Kershaw or Sale Scherzer. I think I'm using combinations of Scherzer and Sale tonight. I like their matchups the most. It's easy to throw one of those guys in with Soroka and then still have a lot of money to spend on your offense. Okay. Rather than If you were to use Sale and Scherzer, for instance, you'd be using – more or about half of your budget all just on your two pitchers. Yeah, I mean, you would have to really be very frugal, but it could work. Well, the big difference between DraftKings and FanDuel is the two pitchers. It's a catcher slash first base, so um, and you only get one pitcher. Who is your favorite player tonight that is either extremely cheap or probably low-owned? Um, okay, so out, this is outside of my stacks then. I have some value plays. Um, one is actually Matt Duffy of the Rays, only 3000 bucks on DraftKings, seven game hit streak going, hit safely in every game this year, but one, six hits in his last two games. So I'm kind of riding the hot hand there. And then two other guys, probably very low owned. Um, they're two Padres, Manuel Margot and Jose Perella, uh, 3200 and 3100. Margot, five game hitting streak. Finally looks locked in at the plate for the first time this year. Obviously, you love the ability to steal some bases, added value in the daily game. Perella's price tags way down because he's kind of come down from his hot streak early on. But Myers back on the DL. Uh, Perella usually hits in the middle of the lineup when Myers hasn't been in. 
So that's a run producing situation. And there's only been one time all, um, in over the last 10 or 11 games where Perella didn't put up any sort of drafting points at all. So even if he's not hitting, he's walking, he'll score a run, whatever it might be. So those are just some cheap guys that if you are going heavy duty with the pitching and you want to squeeze in some cheaper dudes, typically I do that a lot, but tonight I'm actually just sticking solely with my stacks. Um, is that what you said? Stacks? Yeah. Um, so I don't know how it is on FanDuel. On DraftKings, the most you can use from one lineup is five players. I need to fill eight. So typically what I do is I do five and then I use value plays. But tonight I like my stacks so much that I'm actually doing two lineups. I have five of one team and three of the other stack. And then the other lineup is five from the other team and three from one lineup. So I'm pretty much using both my stacks in both lineups. It's the Cardinals stack and the Brewers stack. Cardinals facing uh, James Shields, who we both know, kind of lucky to even have a job at this point in Major League Baseball. Over a six ERA, 1.71 whip. He's allowed 14 hits, eight walks, and 11 runs in his last 11 innings. Hmm. Uh, Cardinals 11th in the majors and runs. So I'm looking at guys like Pham, DeJong, even Ho- um, Yadier Molina, I should say, not Jose, Yadier Molina, um, Jose Martinez, and then probably one of Jerko or Carpenter kind of depends on the way the lineups lock. And then with the Brewers, um, they're facing Homer Bailey, who hasn't been awful this year, but Bailey at home in Cincinnati, not a really good recipe for him. Uh, he hasn't won a game this year. He's allowed five homers in his last three starts, seven earned runs in his last two home starts. Um, obviously, we know the Brewers have a loaded lineup, even though they've been a little inconsistent. But I'm going to use Travis Shaw. I'm going to use Christian Yelich. Going to use Lorenzo Cain and at least one of Braun or Santana, if not both. I also think they called up um, Brett Phillips today, so he could be a potential value play if you want to throw him in there. So those are the two stats I like the most right now. I'm going to say beat on that my and I I'm trying to like I'm going back and forth between Scherzer. And my boy, Yarlin Garcia, who's playing against Philly, but he's playing at home in Miami. I just like this guy. I don't know. I mean, I just think he's a good pitcher. I just saw him sitting right above Homer Bailey. But- if, I'm, if I'm on FanDuel tonight, Andy, I am using one of Sale, Scherzer, Kershaw, or Thor probably. But if you do that, then what are don't you have to like kind of go against the grain here to win one of these big contests like this? I mean, it's almost impossible if everybody's going to be, you know, you kind of have well, to bank usually, on. Usually, usually you're right, but because there are five really good starters, it's going to be mixed around. I mean, the the, the percentage like it's not like it's going to be seventy five percent Scherzer tonight. Like it could be if it was you know only one or two good guys. It's going to be widely spread. Who's being kept out because he got hit by a pitch. Oh. Um, sales at home is allowed just two earned runs at home this year. The Royals 29th in Major League Baseball and run scored. You're not good on the idea of saying I don't want any of these. What if I took Syndergaard? How, how would you feel about that one? I think he'll probably be less owned than Kershaw, Verlander, Scherzer, and Sale. One, because um, – I think you look at those names and you're like, okay, I want these guys. But also because the Braves have been hitting the ball so well, people might not love the matchup for Syndergaard. He could be, in my opinion, of the big five tonight, he's probably the least owned. And then Verlander would probably be the second least owned because it's the Yankees. Although Verlander's had their number and the Yankees can't hit in Houston apparently. So 
Well, yeah, were you sad yesterday that the Yankees were cut short of their 10-game hitting streak that they almost had? You know what? I'm actually not at all because Sonny Gray actually pitched well for the first time this season. That's my takeaway. So we'll see how they do tonight. If they're sluggish again, I'll start to think that maybe they just can't hit there. So you got Pittsburgh at Washington, Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer at home. I'm I'm really gonna go contra I'm gonna go contrarian here. I'm gonna take Jarlin Garcia. He's like six thousand dollars, and I'm just gonna crush all the rest of my. No, well, that's that's the beauty of FanDuel is that you can do that. Like that's it's probably a good idea on FanDuel. I Whereas think- DraftKings, you can do the one the one kind of contrarian pick and then still go with someone you trust as well. Should I take him? Did you say you're taking him? Um, he's, he's been hitting the ball really well lately, Crone. He's got, uh, he's hitting a lot of home runs. Yeah, Harper's kind of been, uh, kind of been slumping lately. He's hitting, he's down to 247 batting average. Hasn't hit a home run in a while. It's been really, he hasn't hit a home run since April. Um, he hasn't hit a home run at least in his last 10 games. So he's definitely... He's definitely slowed down a little bit, but I also feel like they're not pitching to him as much either, especially with the injuries in their lineup. They kind of just pitch around him. Uh, that's absolutely probably true. Teoscar Hernandez is growing in value. I mean, he's growing in price tag, I'll tell you that much. He's worth – he's costing me $4,100. That's that's what Ben and Fam both cost. Yeah, he's, uh, he's 4500 on uh, – on DraftKings, he's just steadily climbing. You see those guys do that, though. I mean, you know, uh, I I was taking Miguel Andahar in my lineup at like twenty seven, twenty eight hundred for ten days. Now all of a sudden he's like, let's see where he is now. It, it's insane how much these guys jump up after just a few. He's thirty. Oh, he's, he's only thirty six hundred now, but he's jumped up like a thousand for pretty much. Um, I remember a few years ago when Gary Sanchez first came up. He was barely um, he was barely three thousand bucks. Now he's the most expensive catcher every night. Yeah, it's crazy. They have so to- as long as he keeps as long as he keeps crushing it like that, um, to Oscar the way he's been, he's he's going to be expensive. AJ Pollock hit three home runs last night. Yeah, the, the uh, he's he's improved his launch angle quite a bit. Good timing too because he's a free agent at the end of the year. I don't – well, did he – I mean, he already had good talent to begin with, but uh... – Yeah, but he's finally – he finally adapted to the new uh, launch angle craze that is Major League Baseball nowadays, and the, the power numbers are going way up. He's going to have probably a career year power-wise, and again, um, probably probably get a nice, nice sexy contract next offseason. So you have your lineups and you have two lineups. You're stacking the Cardinals against. I'm doing James Cardinals. Shields. Yeah, I'm doing Cardinals and Brewers um, hitters for the most part tonight, and I'm using Sale combinations of Sale, Scherzer, and Soroka. They don't even have Soroka available at FanDuel. What What if you What if you search his name? I did. Oh, uh, because yeah, because he wasn't he wasn't initially on this lead either. It was supposed to be Sean. Nukem. So I actually went up to the player search, found him, and then um, slotted him in there. And I'm kind of hoping that because he's not available right now, as like he's not on this list mm-hmm. right now, um, I'm hoping that a number of people in this uh, tournament I'm in, it's only about 10,000 people 
in this tournament I'm in tonight, I'm hoping a number of people just don't like think to use him because he's not there and he does well. That's going to be the fourth for $4,000 plus maybe not a huge ownership percentage. That's the kind of the way you need to win in these tournaments as you, as you mentioned. I'm always trying to learn new things. You know, when we put together the draft guide and Phil wrote that really pretty extensive piece on daily fantasy. And there were some things in there that I definitely learned and some things that you would think that would be just, once you learn them, they're common sense. But if you don't know them, you can easily get taken advantage of. Like if you go to FanDuel and you go, say you filter out the choices of tournaments or whatever down to like head to head, right? You want to play against one other person. So if you click the box that says head to head, you will see about 300 sharks just waiting in shallow waters you know, to play against somebody that wants to put five bucks. It's really important to not allow that to happen because there are tools out there that will give people an advantage over just the normal guy. You can't just go in there saying, okay, I, I know baseball and I think that Chris Bryant's a good hitter and so-and-so is a good hitter and a good Oh, hitter. there's no, oh yeah, there's no way that you can do that. That's the way I did it the first year I ever played DFS and I just, I couldn't get it right and I couldn't understand why I was so bad at DFS when I've always had success in fantasy baseball, I know baseball, all that kind of stuff. I just couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. I wasn't using stacks ever. I was just going with hitters I thought could do well or have a good matchup. And then I'd go look at the teams to finish towards the top of the, of the standings in my tournaments and they know there'd be stacks. And that's another good way to learn though, is at the end of the night, when you go to check how your lineup did, go and look at the top like 10 teams see how they constructed their teams because that's kind of a way you can learn on the proper way to construct a team. Yeah, but what are you learning from? It's like five things that you can do to protect yourself, right? The first one that I go by is to do the single entry tournaments. Always pick just the single entry tournaments. That's that's a good solid base. So number one is to know what kind of tournament that you're getting into, right? So, I mean, because the GPPs are different than the head-to-head and the 50-50s. And stuff like that. Your chances are different. You you want to pick a different team. Contrarian is like against the grain or with it? It is against. Okay. So contrarian would be in these big GPP tournaments, right? Because you're... you're yeah, it, definitely. Okay. So that's one thing I learned. To definitely choose your tournament wisely. Spending a dollar and trying to win this super Powerball, you know, is a lot different than trying to only just have to beat half of the other people in the tournament. Let's see. I'm on I'm on Rotowire right now. Mm-hmm. And they are talking about using Soroka, they're talking about using Cindergard. Mm-hmm. Um they're looking the top stacks they have here are Dodgers, Angels, Twins, and then my two. Brewers and Cardinals are the top two, actually. So, Did they um, say to stack teams? Yes. So um, when you stack a team, do you make sure that these hitters are one after the other? Like, Not you always. Sure? Not always. Um, do you think it's a best I, practice to try to do that? I I typically like to get like the one, two. I, I mean, I'd love to do one, two, three, four, five, or two, three, four, five, six. But, for instance, last night, because I thought the Astros were going to crush uh, Sonny Gray, um, I did an Astro stack and I had one, two, three, four, but instead of taking number five with Josh Reddick, I took number seven in their lineup with Marlon Gonzalez because he was 700 bucks cheaper. Um, so that's kind of where, you know, you might, you might have to do something to make something else work out. 
But yeah, I mean, you want to try and get all the guys in succession if possible. That's another thing that I learned is if you have the choice between a player that's batting seventh and a player that's batting second, I would always choose the guy batting second unless there was a big. Absolutely. So that's one thing that, so this is good. We're helping people learn. DFS. Well, the basics. Just like we could go over just the basics, and you could be more equipped to do DFS tomorrow because of this show right here. That's our goal. Yeah. Well, it's, you know what? We haven't done DFS very much or at all on these shows before, so it's a nice little you know change up. So, the, what's the most important? What's the most important um, safeguard that you would put up as a smart person walking into playing a DFS tournament? Well, I think it's kind of what you already said. It's knowing the tournament or the game that you're actually entering into. Okay, it's so let's talk if about you're doing the 50, if you're doing the GPP. Like I know we've done before. Like you know, Walter set it up, or someone sets something up from Lenny Malik Fantasy Sports, yeah. where you know there's like a six or seven person entry, top three get some money. I mean, it's, it all depends because in something like that, you probably want to go pretty safe. Steady, you just want to aim for top three of the six. But in the GPPs, like we're talking about, going with what the majority is going to be going with, um, yeah, you might win the money, but you're not going to win any big money because the majority of people are going to have lineups very similar to you. Okay, so for example, this um, entry that we're doing, number one, the big tournaments, you're going to see the biggest prizes, like $8,000 for a dollar entry. That's the one I'm playing in right now. So it's, Is that 8000 total or 8000 to first place? you got to look at the rules and scoring, but this particular tournament that I'm joining, it pays out all the way up to 1,852nd place. Okay, You get double your money if you come in anywhere 1,852nd or better. But there are... And it sounds so easy, right? Like, I'm definitely as smart, if not smarter, than that number of people, okay? I could definitely come in. This is a tournament that's going to have, at, when it's full, it will have 9,523 players, okay? If you come in in the in 1,800 or better, you get double your money, and it just goes up from there. The number one, like, the, the biggest prize in this tournament is $800. But some of them... But I'm glad you bring that up. Some of them are going to pay out 30000 to the first place guy and nothing to the other guys. Or it could be a whole set yeah, of different ways. I guess ways. that's the biggest thing is to to, think, to know what the payouts are, what, what you have to hit. Like getting 100 points is not going to cut it, you know. Um, getting 135 would be, be the case. I, I don't know how it, that would, um, how it typically works. I could tell you on DraftKings, if you're getting 150 points – uh, you're pretty much finishing in the money. Yeah. Um, if you're getting over 200, you have a chance to actually take something down. Um, so just because... like in regular fantasy, you have to know your league settings. Basically, you yes. have to know the rules and the payouts. You have to understand what um, – and also the scoring is different between the two. We talk about these two particular websites, but they're not the only ones out there, and I guarantee the other ones, they have their own set of of points, the way that they score points. Like, obviously, it's much different in FanDuel for the pitcher because you only get one, and in DraftKings, you get two. I mean, that can seriously, that can change the strategy enough to where you would choose to play at one site or the other based on which of these two ways you like to play. Sometimes you might want to have two pitchers. Maybe you like to have two pitchers. I like to have one pitcher. I do find it exciting that FanDuel gives more points for things. Um, so, like, while... Um, Players cost more 
Like you get 350 points, you're like, whoa, man, whoa. You go, you just came from DraftKings and you're like, 100 points, blah, blah. And then you go to FanDuel and you're like, holy shit, I got 300 points. And you're like showing it to everybody. But it really, <laughs> it's just because they score different. <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly it. It's, it's knowing, it's knowing the difference between each and every, um, each and every one of these different, um, whether not just the tournaments, but the actual sites themselves. When I go to FanDuel, I say, okay, I make sure that I'm looking at only MLB, first of all. You have to narrow it down by sport. Then you narrow it down by the um, single entry. I always try to do these big tournaments with just a single entry because Phil taught me that your your odds go down exponential ways when all these people are allowed to put in more than one entry. And that's what I've always done because of that, and I believe I believe that that's true. When you figure out that you can oh, – now you got it narrowed down to MLB and you have it narrowed down to single entry and now you narrow it down to how much do you want to spend. I spend like five bucks or whatever. So then you now you have it narrowed down all that much further. You don't have to chew the GPP. You can actually see all the tournaments and the difference between – you see 50-50 tournaments. You see the one that, that they don't – the prize money is not as attractive obviously, but you only have to beat half of the people in the league. Yeah, so I mean, it, that's that's just it. Everybody has their different um, ways of playing. I mean, I know um, a couple of people that you know I do shows with or whatever it might be. A lot of them pretty much just stick to the the double ups and double ups, um, right? So yeah, you double ups the, the same way. Ups, they don't do anything. They don't do anything too crazy, um, you know. But they you know they put three four dollars down. Um, ones Lenny likes to play those you don't spend a lot you don't lose a lot you don't you have a, you win a lot more on a more regular basis you know if you play five bucks every day the chances are good that you're going to be pretty even definitely I mean for me I only reason why I play DFS is kind of for the excitement and I get so much more excited being entered into like a GPP where um, even though, yeah, you might not lose, you could also have this crazy night and win thousands of dollars. Okay, so let me let's give some tools away. Let's tell people some free tools. I know that it's. Exp- I mean, you could go to Rotoballers, Fantasy Insiders, all of them charge. We Lenny and I have uh, several subscriptions to places, and honestly, I don't know how much better they can all be. No offense to the people that came up with them, but there are some free tools out there that are just as good as. Like number one, the number one and done is MLB.com, the game previews. They have right there under the picture, and they just say what the batter that day, what they've hit against this pitcher. And then as soon as the lineup comes out, you know MLB is getting the lineups first. The the lineups are right there, and you can switch back and forth and toggle between views so you can see, like, who's in the lineup, where they're batting, and then you can switch it back over to see what they do against this pitcher. And I can tell you, RotoWire has a great app. It's free to use. Um, It's Essentially, it's called the Daily Lineups app by RotoWire. So all you do is you click click the button on your phone. It takes you right to every game, shows you the weather report, the wind – Miles per hour for the win, and it shows you who's starting. It shows you everything you need to know. So right now, I have every single lineup um, that's been announced as of as of right now. Um, so for lineups, I usually go with a RotoWire app. But yeah, MLB. Is it free? I, I didn't is. know it's that totally they had that free. free. It's totally free. Okay, well that's a great tool. RotoWire, out of all the subscription services and and things that Lenny and I have had over the years, 
The Rotowire is the best. It is by far and above, and I tell Jeff Erickson that every time I see him. I just tell him, your site is great. The only thing that I have a slight complaint about is the draft software, because if you make a mistake, like, there's no getting out of it. You're just, like, you just might as well just give up if you want to have it. You know, if you want to concentrate on drafting your team, because once you get like messed up in the draft software, you just got to quit the draft software and say, I think I'll just wing it. It's better because then I, I'm not just sitting here like not paying attention to what's going on. Fantasy Pros is another one that has a lot of different tools. They have a lot of different tools, but they will actually, you can import your teams from all the websites, Fantrax, uh, RT Sports, ESPN, CBS, like all of them. You can import your teams. You just tell it. Tell Fantasy Pros your password, and it will import your teams, and it will actually draft with you. It it will it's your draft software. Literally, it will refresh every so often on its own, every 30 seconds while you're drafting, and it literally is your draft software, and you don't have to do anything. Uh, like you don't have to enter in anybody's team name. You don't have to enter in any of that bullshit. See, that's very cool. Um, and yeah, I don't use their website as much as I just use the app specifically. Um, for this stuff. But for instance, tonight, I already told you I'm playing the Cardinals and the, the Cardinals versus that White Sox stack. Wind is 13 miles per hour blowing out towards the outfield. Oh, Whereas in another game here with the Mets and the Braves, we're talking about potentially using both Soroka and Syndergaard. The wind's only six miles per hour. It's blowing left to right. It's not blowing out. Um, in Cincinnati, where I have the, the brewer stack, the wind's blowing left to right or right to left. So that's something to look Wait, at. So left to right, and that's two different directions. Left to right is what that, I mean, where's the batter it means, facing? It, it means that, it means that the wind is blowing, is it means that the wind's coming from the left to the right or from the right to so the it's, left. So it's and coming from like, towards the outfield. It depends on, okay, so if you're facing the outf- wait, if you're facing, it's from the standpoint of the hitter. So okay. if you're at the plate, if you're at the plate, the wind's either blowing from right field to left field, okay. left field to right field, Got in it. towards you or out towards the outfield. I just needed to know like where the center point was. You know, where where are we viewing this from? Because if you say left to right and you're standing like in in the parking lot, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really help. <laughs> okay, so all right. Um, anyway. So that's interesting to know. I really do like the idea of getting the weather. It's yeah. There's no there's no games that appear to have um, any chance of serious rain. The biggest percentage right now, believe it or not, is in Anaheim. Eleven percent chance of rain. They're an interesting stack too tonight, though. They are facing Alex Cobb, and if you know anything about Alex Cobb right now, um, he has an ERA over thirteen, and he has not been able to do jack shit so far this season. I'm, you know, I'm not a big fan of Cobb. I never have been, so I, I couldn't even tell you that I have a lot of emotion. I, the Angels, they're not that great. I do want, love to see Albert Pujols get to 3,000. That's yeah, I think hits. he's what three, three or four hits away from that. Four hits. So I will be. Yeah. So yeah. Well, I, I was, I was annoyed because I saw him in the, I, the Yankees were just here. I saw him in the first game. Oh, you um, did. And then he like sprained his ankle or something, and they kept him out for the next two games. Did you get to go to the? Did you go to Angel Stadium and see it? Well, I, I was supposed to, but then I came down with the flu, so I had to watch it on TV. Oh, cool! Yeah. This is very fun. I'm gonna cut the first part of this off. That's not very helpful, and I'm just gonna only take out the pieces that are very helpful. When there are so many tools out there, and there's no way to find them all, you and I probably know 
different tools. Everybody that you meet knows different tools. They're everywhere. But trying to find a good tool that's free is not that easy. They're few and far between. Like, and if you're not paying for a place, then you have to get your lineups one place. You have to get your weather reports from another place, you, you know. And that's why I like to keep it all really to just – again, the Rotowire app gives me my lineups and my weather reports. And then the actual website, DraftKings or FanDuel, give me enough information on the players personally. I think you brought up a good one with MLB.com. They show you um, batter versus pitcher stats. Um, I mean, MLB.com. I used to use that a lot, Andy. Honestly, the the batter versus pitcher stats, and it didn't work out the way I kind of thought it would. Well, I now go to ESPN and use theirs because theirs has a a lot more information. MLB is just the easiest. Maybe it's because I'm at ESPN playing fantasy, and that's why. You want to be able to go just to one place and get it done. But I think that every place lacks something. Well, yeah, I don't think anywhere is perfect. You're gonna, you're gonna be able. You, what you really have to know is where to go for the specific things, because you're not gonna get every single thing um, done um, at one site. But and is this player page? The the player page, I could just go. First of all, I could choose whatever player from whatever team just by searching in the little box on the right. That's very convenient, and it doesn't really take you here and take you to another team. You have to go to the right team in MLB and it's all that kind of thing. And then you get like their game log on the same page. You get their batter versus pitcher. So on top of what MLB is giving you in the previews, which is what I said to look at first, you're getting so much more. You're getting their splits, their game logs, all kinds of stuff. There's full stats. You get to see everything. You get to, I mean, so right from that page. So that's, that would be why I would use ESPNs and there's this free too. If you're playing ESPN Fantasy, you might as well check these out. If you want to play daily, these are important, but you don't get the weather. Yeah, and honestly, the weather makes a big difference. It's well, obviously, it's silly, but like I'm not even I'm not even talking from like the rain out postponement standpoint. I'm talking about cold versus hot, the wind. I mean, if you're if you're for instance playing, I guess I don't know. The Cubs are actually at home. Well, with the launch angle and the velocity. Yeah. I mean, all the wind is blowing out there in Chicago, for instance. Yeah. You want a lot of players in that game. I mean, I've, what, what you can do, although I said you can only take five players per team, you could take eight players from the exact same game. Like, that's what I've done a lot when games are being played in Coors Field, is I'll take eight players from that game specifically, knowing there's probably going to be a lot of run score. But you're only taking offense in that case. You could not yes, justify. Oh, oh, yeah. No, no way you're taking. I think that a good piece of advice for this, too, that fits right into what we're talking about is that the pit, like the players that you want to rely on these, when you go to pick your players out for DFS, you find yourself looking at the game, the pitcher versus the batter, and the specific matchups and stuff like that. But it's very, very weak argument to say that um, Ozzy Albies does a certain thing against a certain type of player in a certain type of park. I mean, the, the players that you – like Todd Frazier, you know what he's going to do. You know who he hits well. You know that he hits a certain uh, – in a certain situations better than others. You know these things because you've watched him for the last four or five seasons. Edwin Encarnacion. Yeah, there's a track record, exactly. And but and these guys are usually pretty cheap too. Like I love I love playing Wilmer Flores against left-handed hitters or pitchers. I used to love playing Franklin Gutierrez against lefties because they're these are guys that don't play every day. But you know they're guaranteed pretty much to get into any 
lineup where it calls for a certain handed pitcher. So it is, I, I think that number one, it's important to look at these splits. The splits characters are the valuable in DFS. These are the guys that can rake in money when you play them at the right time. And you pretty much know that. And the, going with the same thing is the platoon guys, those guys, the right, especially, especially the guys who the right handed hitters who only play against lefties. For instance, yeah. those are the guys when you start throwing them in, they're usually dirt cheap. Uh, for yeah. instance, like Brandon, Brandon Geyer is a perfect example. He's a guy, why would you ever use Brandon Geyer, right? He's just a guy, but he hits lefties very well. And he and costs like $500. Deploy, yeah, and the Indians <laughs> deploy him against left-handed pitching. And I think just the other night he hit in a home run. I had him in my lineup because a lefty was on the mound. Yes, so I think that that's a great bit of advice for people that, uh, you know, you're obviously your first instinct is to want to go out and get Charlie Blackman and all the rest, but you can't afford it. So you gotta, you know, you have to make your sacrifices sometime, somewhere. No, you know when I use Blackman when I'm stacking the Rockies. That's when I use him. That's it. I'm not. I don't just use him every time because, yeah, as good as he is all the time, you can totally. He could totally put up a zero for you in one lineup. And, like, let's say, you know how annoying it is when your entire lineup hits and does everything you need them to do, but you don't win money because the guy you spent the most money on puts up a zero? Oh, it happens every time. So, yeah, happens you, I mean, it, when I first tried this system of Derek Hardy's, it told me Matt Adams to pick. And Matt Adams is definitely a character that you can put in at certain times, times. But he was hella cheap, and I was like, okay, I only have a little bit of money, so I'll do what this thing tells me. But these are things that you could definitely figure out, and the more you play, the more you get to know these players. Like me and you just rattled off several just right off the top of our head, and guarantee there's more out there. Like, I mean, there's a whole slew of players that are hand, that have some serious splits between righties and lefties i would say a majority of the players have splits not as crazy but definitely there you know in some capacity baseball press is a good place to get lineups i i'm digging this roto every time i come up with a free tool i now i'm going back to this app that you can just get right in your phone now yeah it's it's called it's roto wire but it's actually called daily lineups i think it's called daily actual, lineups yeah I, I wonder why they chart like because they have about three different apps that you can download from the store one well, of them i think there's they don't charge for this one because they're not giving you any advice there's nothing there's nothing to really pay for because you could get these lineups in other places yeah i but think see, the biggest thing is it's just it's it's convenient and if you're using it it's like oh well, let's go check out rotowire.com because if you want i mean if you want uh if you want to have an optimizer you can just literally type into google uh, daily baseball lineup optimizer, and you will come up with a free one here or there. They they used last year they had it at one at Scout that I used a lot, Scout.com, but that one is you have to pay for it now. But there's more than one out there. But they're all running off the same algorithm. They're all you know they're all giving the same players because the computer says to. Now there's got to be a way to zag when other people are zigging. Zig. I'm backwards, but you know what I mean. Yeah, well, see, I just found out Jed Jorko not in the lineup tonight for St. Louis. Another so, good piece of advice. 
You can't just set your lineup and walk away. You have to no. make sure that they have a number next to them that says always. Before they used to never give you that information. Now the fact that they do give you the information makes it a hell of a lot easier because you can tell if a player's not in the lineup. It's got a big red circle in his name with the cross, you know, an X. Yeah, yeah, and if they don't, then they have the little green thing beside them. And it also lets you know if you're paying attention. When a game is rained out, it will tell you before the game starts because if a game gets rained out and you do not pull the player and change the player before the game goes to start, then you have to be stuck with them. It happens all the time. All the time. So pay attention to that. You have to make sure that your players are in. Um, I know that, you know, Phil puts a lot of work into it no matter how smart you get. Oh, about- so, you know what? See, remember how I said that it could be Santana tonight? It's not. Aguilar is playing first and Braun's in the outfield. So you're getting your information right from the I'm finding right that. from the RotoWire app. But now at this point, at this point, once it's on the app, it usually is also on FanDuel and DraftKings. So that's when you can kind of go and see exactly who is there. Like I have to, I have to change around my lineup now because having the tools so I can make up my own mind is always the best way to go. Not just if you're taking a computer-generated lineup and you're putting it into one of these big. GPPs, you are going to, I guarantee. I can't, I, I can't, I just can't justify to myself doing that. I don't mind using them every once in a while. I used to use them all the time when we did those little five, six person tournaments. I used to just, if I, a lot of times you don't have time, it's five bucks, you're playing with friends, fine. But if you really want to be serious about winning money, and I can't say that I don't use them still, literally, I look at Derek Cardi's The Bat projections every day. I just look at, I just, take a gander at who there's you know i take a gander at it and then i decide which players i want but i don't always choose the top player i don't always choose the one that says it's going to get you know the top player is going to get 15 points and the 10th player down the list is going to get 12.9 points i mean the variance in that is so uh likely that those two players have about an equal shot of getting 15 points Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, yeah, you're, you're, you're not you're not wrong there at all. I mean, it's it's one of those it's one of those things also where I mean, sometimes you could put all the work you could possibly put in and someone else could just get so lucky. Oh, I it mean, happens every like, time. Like tonight, for instance, I'm looking at the catchers. OK, um, I mean, obviously, yeah, you want to maybe use Sanchez or Real Muto or McCann or whatever it might be, but then you look all the way down and Tucker Barnhart is 2,800 bucks. Watch him hit like a home run tonight, go four for five, you know, like that's, that's the kind of pick that wins you, um, that wins you your, your, your league tonight. I have 3,500 now to spend on a second baseman. So um, when you're looking, how do you, something's wrong. like, do, do I go with VR because he's part of my stack? Do I go with Colton Wong because he's part of my stack? Or do I look and try and just, you know, get lucky here with, like, maybe uh, Howie Kendrick or Zach well, Kozer? Well, okay, right. So because Howie – well, there's all kinds of ways to play. I think that there's there's ways to be a little more – to get a little closer to, you know, what will really happen than by just playing with your gut. But on the other hand – I'm not really sure about that. Like this system here that I'm looking at, for instance, it has everything all the way down to the umpire of the day. Literally, like what type of umpire it is, whether or not they're facing a catcher that has um, 
he called it catcher intimidation factor. Like the, the intimidation factor of whether or not, I guess, the catcher is good at keeping runners on, you know what I mean? Like from running, how good they are at throwing players out. Well, yeah, well, that's actually a really good point. The how aggressive I, I they are. What I was going to bring up was the umpire because if you have a – um, umpire with a small strike zone, for instance. Yes. Um, that's that's the type of game that you might want to use a bunch of hitters because they're either going to walk or the pitcher's going to get squeezed a little bit. You could see a lot more offense. Where um, last night in the game I was watching, it was uh, Charlie Morton versus Sonny Gray, Yankees Astros. The strike zone was huge, um, and both pitchers benefited greatly from it. Yeah, you think Yankees Astros? You're thinking a lot of runs, three runs total, because largely part due in part to the umpire and the big strike zone. So here's this. I'm going to, I'm like a freaking commercial. I'm going to have to send this to Derek Hardy after I'm done with this podcast. Cause I am intrigued by his system. He's spent a lot of years on it. That basically tells you, um, the catcher, the pitcher, it tells you, um, official lineup. So it puts a check mark next to their name. If they're in the official lineup, it tells you the umpire and next to the umpire, it tells you the type of umpire that they are. Just like you said, whether they have a, like a big strike zone, a little or strike zone, um, it tells you the the park that they're playing in, whether or not it has a roof on it. Phil always liked to to say that you want to get, you basically want to you want to make three times what you spent. I know on DraftKings, you pretty much want to double up what you pay for all your players, whether okay. it be like for instance for Scherzer tonight, twelve thousand seven hundred dollars. He needs to put up over 25 points. Soroka only 4,000, though, if he even puts up eight or nine points. I think that Fandle is you want to get three times production. Yeah, that, that would make sense, which is also why the points are so much larger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. If, you have, you know, if you have a guy – you have a guy on FanDuel that's four thousand bucks. You want the twelve points returned on DraftKings. Okay. You want the eight points returned. Alrighty. So if I get my boy Jarlin Garcia, that um, I am a big fan. If he only costs me sixty one hundred dollars, then I'm trying to get eighteen. Eighteen point three. Yeah. So that is a good system, and I know that it's used at both sites. Uh, it's just different at both sites. It's not three times. It's three times at FanDuel and twice, two times at DraftKings. Yeah, at least for DraftKings, definitely for FanDuel, it would make sense because we've talked about the difference in the pricing and in the scoring. That's probably the biggest difference there. They give out a lot more points there. So it would kind of make sense to um, that it would be three times the amount. It probably is. They say that it takes a thousand at-bats before you can really say – what a player is going to do or going to be, right? It takes a thousand major league at bats for for you to say, okay, now we know. And it's kind of the similar thing, and it makes sense when you're looking at these stats and you're saying, okay, so-and-so hits good this way. We already talked about this a little bit, but I wanted to reinforce how important it is to not – these stats are only so valuable. They're only so valuable, number one, because the human element is always going to be involved in the game of baseball, and that's why – Everybody's not getting rich in Vegas over this because there's and there's a big element of um, there's chance and there's luck and there's just unexplainable reason. I mean, somebody has a bad day that happens all the time. So they're not 100 percent foolproof. The more stats we get, the more formulas we get. People seem to think that we 
can figure it out. Like you can definitely tell enough about a hitter or a pitcher after such a small sample size is not really statistically valid. So remember that when you're picking out players and you say, oh, so-and-so has hit two home runs off of – uh, so-and-so, I think I'll, you know, he's great against it. Cause that's one thing I see a lot at MLB. When I go there and look at the previews, a lot of times for most teams, it's rare. There's only going to be like one batter on every team. If that, that has two or more home runs against that particular pitcher. So immediately you're like, Oh, he's hit two home runs off this pitcher. He's hit more home runs than anybody else on the team. I like him. That's not, that's not a good theory. No, I, I honestly, I, I personally can't get behind that, that type of theory at all. I just find it hard to base it off something so, like, because even though, let's, let's say a guy's eight for 10 against a pitcher, uh, and that means, let's say he's faced him in three games, two of the three games he was amazing, one of the games he did nothing. Um, there's yeah. just, there's a one third of a chance that, that, that he happens to do absolutely nothing. And if you have a zero in your lineup, you're not going to win. Right. So if you take a guy like Albert Pujols, that's been in the league for a long time or Miggy Cabrera or somebody that's been batting for a long time, their total number of at bats against a certain pitcher is going to be like, it could p- potentially be in the hundreds, you know? So, um, well, that's when it starts. That's when it's a little, I like I could almost get behind it a little more when you have a guy that's have been around for that long and has that much success. But if we're talking about and most of it is only anywhere from eight to twenty at bats against the pitcher at this point, I, I just can't get behind when going we're after talking that. when we're talking about like this another thing that is a good example of this is that this time of season, right? This time of year. If a guy goes out, if he's having a crappy year, he's batting one one eleven. Okay, he goes out and he gets a grand slam, steals a couple bases, uh, and scores some extra runs and walks too. His literally, it could change him drastically. It could change what his stats look like drastically because there's it's such a small sample size right now that everything that he does affects it on a much bigger scale. But as you go through the season, he could go a whole week without hitting and, and he'd still have a 278 batting average or whatever it is, you know. Um, it doesn't affect it as much. So when you're looking at players and you say, okay, Ozzy Albies hits this against so-and-so or whatever, it's a lot less relevant than when you're looking at it for a guy that has a 100 sample size instead of five sample size. Oh, yeah, well – that's that's definitely a given. That makes a lot of sense. That I can actually get behind there with you too. Um, well, thank you. Because, I mean, if there's that much of a sample size and he's continuing to do it, that player. Well, um, you you obviously used this theory to a point because you say you know that this person it hits well against lefties or righties. I mean, what else do you have to go on if you're trying to make a knowledgeable projection? You. You have to be knowledgeable about what they tend to do, their tendencies. So I agree, and I, I would say though that I think it's a little different going from um, basing it on their stats versus rays of lefties versus an actual pitcher, because of course um, there's going to be a lot more bats to go off of if you're just basing it off for lefty versus righty. I mean, Brandon Geyer's, for instance, the guy I used earlier, been around long enough to know that he hits lefties very well. Um, you've seen it over a number of different seasons. He's been used as that type of player many times in the past and will continue to be used that way. I was just looking 
at what point does it say now, okay, this guy just hasn't figured out? That's what I'm trying to ask. You have to, you have to obviously have enough at bats, but I mean, for instance, let's say, let's say someone has faced a guy 20 times. He has, you know, six, seven hits, which is really good, but of those hits, how many of them are singles? How many of them are home runs? I mean, I've seen the times where guys, you know, five for 40 against a guy, but all five of the hits are home runs. But it means that he's either going to do nothing or he's going to hit a home run at least. But if he's, you know, it, it's a lot different. If you're five for 40 against a guy with five singles, you don't want anything to do with it. But if you're five for 40 with five home runs, playing them in DFS isn't a bad idea because you want the home run. It's worth maybe chasing the home run. And it, the one thing that I do not like about it is that most of these things, they go by career, right? So, I mean, what has this pitcher done against Albert Pujols? He's been around forever, though. Was it when Albert Pujols was good, or was it when he was, like, battling plantar fasciitis? There's a big difference there. Or vice versa, you know what I mean? Like, were they facing this pitcher when he was at the height of his game? Like Cole Hamels. If you looked up Cole Hamels, battle, batter versus pitcher, you would see stats in there that you have no idea if they came from this year, last year, two years ago, or five years ago. And that is one of the biggest reasons why I never use the batter versus pitcher numbers when I do it. I try to stick to stacks, uh, ballpark factors, weather, and really just going up against the pitcher because the pitcher hasn't been good this year or yeah, hasn't what been about, good in general. You're right. I use this batter-pitcher thing, specific batters versus specific pitchers for my weekly leagues. I do this when I'm like trying to figure out who I'm going to play for the week. That makes a lot of sense. But and it also can come in handy, Andy. Let's say you uh, – handy, Andy. I like that. Hey, yeah, um, that's pretty good. Yeah, it can come, it can come in handy when, let's say for me, I'm trying to do this stack – I'm deciding between this brewer or that brewer, this cardinal or that cardinal. Right. That's when I might look. If the prices are very close, that's when I might look at their success versus the pitcher because that could help me make a decision on one guy versus the other. So in DFS, it's more generalized. I agree with you 100%. I think it's it's important to point this out. The Dodgers have a lot of lefties, yeah. When, All lefties. When they're, when they're healthy – um, their only righty is Kenta Maeda. The Red Sox also. The Red Sox are all left-handed um, except for Porcello. The Phillies. This is what I learned when I was doing the draft guide. The Phillies have all righties, and they not only just have all righties in their rotation, all their pitchers, all their prospect pitchers right now, they have nine of them, and they're all right-handed. First, all their prospects. They don't have any lefty pitchers in the farm system is what I'm trying to say. So not only do they not have lefties in – That in, seems odd. I, that actually does seem very strange. It was just – a yeah, it was just something that I came across and I thought that's very interesting. All of their pitchers are righties. Not So they only have one lefty bullpen guy. The rest are all righties there. Their closers are righty. All of their bullpen guys are righties. All their starting pitchers are righties. It's very odd. I wouldn't think that they did this on purpose, but it's – it was an interesting thing to, to to see. I did notice a couple teams, but there's only a few that have all righties or all lefty rotations. You don't just randomly get all lefties in your rotation. This is this can't just be just coincidence. Yeah, it, I, yeah. I don't think it t necessarily happens by accident, but I mean, um, with with the Red Sox, I but mean, why wouldn't they, you they traded for Sale? They signed Price. They traded for Pomerantz. They traded for Erod. 
Um, so, I mean, they, they chose to have all those lefties, the Red Sox. The only guess, righty is Rick Porcello. I just can't imagine it being beneficial to have all of one thing in this day and age, especially when it seems that we're making so many changes, um, pitching changes in games. Pitchers don't last very long in games. So the fact that you would have just all righties or all lefties is beyond me because you there's going to be situations where it behooves you to put in a different-handed hit pitcher or hitter or whatever it is. But So if you have a pitching staff of all righties like the Phillies does, you face a team that's like full of lefties. You don't have any recourse just getting slaughtered by all of these three true outcome hitters, you know? Yeah, and I mean, that's why teams like to design their lineup certain ways, too. Um, you have, if you have a lot of righties, you like to split them up with a lefty. Let, let's say you're, let's say you have four righties in the top of your order. Mm-hmm. Instead of buying them all one, two, three, four, you usually split them up with lefty hitting in the two or the three spot so that you can't just bring in, you know, a wipeout right-handed reliever to get all these righties out. You, they'd have to face that lefty and vice versa. If you have a lot of lefties early in your lineup, you want to split them up with that righty so that if they were to bring in a lefty specialist, to get maybe the first two outs, they're going to have to deal with that right-handed hitter at some point, not just get to face the lefties. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's all a mind game. It's all how, how many of these things do we keep doing even just because out of habit? Like uh, the, the batting order that we finally just got wise about, that if you – you don't just put your stolen base guy at the top of the order. You put – Mike Trout at the top of the order because you want him to get the most chances. We've already talked about this subject today. But I think that that we do things just out of habit. One of the good example is that Sanchez, uh, Judge, and Stanton. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, using Didi Gregorius to split those three guys up is a very smart move. But why? Why is it so smart? Who gives a shit if Gary Sanchez hits after Didi? Oh, is it because when the you pitchers? Start getting- it's more so for when you start getting to the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, and teams um, like teams typically go to their best through their best reliever. Um, you're bringing in a guy in the eighth or the ninth inning as a reliever usually throws gas. If they're a righty, they're usually very tough on righty. So rather than having um, it be an easier inning, let's say for the guy coming in, okay, you get to face three righties in a row. You're going to pitch them all fairly similar. You're going to pitch inside with the hard stuff, away with the off-speed stuff, you have to change the way you pitch because there's a lefty kind of in between. Why do you need um, to change the way you pitch? You should just pitch Because to you pitch differently you're... to the righties than to the lefties. Or, okay. Especially with Judge and Stanton, for instance, having them hitting back-to-back, they're so similar. They're huge dudes. They like the pitches in the similar spots. It makes it easier for the pitcher to get to face those guys back to back. When you throw a lefty into the mix in the middle of those two hitters, it starts to make the pitcher think a lot more. They have to attack Judge one way, then the lefty another way, then go back to attacking Stanton the way they were attacking Judge. So basically you're trying to avoid allowing the pitcher to get comfortable enough to say – Exactly. Okay, well – I see what you're saying. I understand it. I don't know how much it really works because they know what judges they the guy knows what judges' weakness is. They know exactly where they're going to throw it at him. It's up and inside. And I think it's more about the rhythm of the pitcher. You don't want them to be able to get into that rhythm as easily. I do know that Bryce Harper has taken more walks. He's getting pitched around. They're not letting him beat them. It's like uh. 
that season where Barry Bonds hit like 70-something home runs. It's like they're either going to walk him, and when he pitched him, he hits a home run. Otherwise, they're just going to pitch random, let anyone else on their team beat you. And at this point, with Rendon out, with Eden out, like let someone else beat you. When they talk about protection in the lineup, that's exactly what they're talking about. That it, Why should they even bother with you if nobody else on your team can hit? I get that, but I think it's different. Unless it's in a situation, like you said, in the eighth inning, the seventh inning, where they're going to choose which pitcher to throw in based on who's coming up to bat. You do not want to give them the opportunity to say, I'm going to pick the guy right now that knows exactly how to throw up and inside because right now I'm going to face Sanchez, Judge, Stanton in a row. I think it works better. I think it's a more effective um, situation where there's a lot of lefties in the lineup and you want to break them up because so many teams carry that left-handed specialist. And Let's say, you know, you have lefty, lefty, lefty coming up, due up in the next inning. They're going to get a lefty up there, and they're going to bring in that lefty, and it's, it's going to give that the team that's bringing in the new pitcher the advantage. But if you break up those lefties with a right-handed handed hitter, not only do you potentially not get that lefty coming in because they might not pitch well against righties, but if they do come in, you have the advantage when the righty does come up. Or you're just going to play Philly, and they don't even have a lefty, so... You got that one, uh, you know. That's why I just think it's really never an advantage to have only just one-handed pitching. No, you always want to have balance, not only pitching, but also in the lineup, too.